Yo, that's the official intro. Yeah, so welcome to the show. It's it's great to it's great to have another business on the show. Um, looking forward to having a discussion um, with you guys from Unleash. So we've got Egel and is it Ivar or Ivar? Yeah, Ivar is is perfect. Ah, okay. Yes. Hi guys. So. Yeah, so we're all pronounced the same with the eyes. So I'm I'm Divan, um, but but people sometimes get that messed up with Divan. But I'm uh... <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so just to have an introduction, um, who are you guys and what do you do um, at Unleash? You want to go first, Ivan? Yeah, so I'm Ivar. I'm I'm the CTO, and I also take the role of a CPO. So I'm I'm kind of managing the product side of things. Uh, I I we have a small team, and uh, I try to involve them all, of course, in in, in the development of Unleash. And yeah, I'm also the kind of the the, the person who started Unleash back back in the days. Uh, and and I guess we will come a bit back to that. Uh, I. I started this as an open source project in, in 2015. And myself, Egil, I'm the CEO. I tend to say CEO of, uh, I wouldn't say nobody, but it's a very small team. But still, uh, I'm taking care of everything, not tech, not development. Uh, and I do have a lot of opinion about the product, but I trust you are to have the last decision making in that process. So um, what would your description of what Unleashed does be um, how how would you define it as a product? Yeah, so it goes into the category of, of feature management, uh, and and what does that mean? So uh, so if you simplify it a lot, you can say that it's it's uh, feature flags or also something called feature toggles, and it allows you to to kind of take more control on how you roll out your features to the end users. How would you describe, uh, like, if, if someone hadn't used feature flags before, um, is, is there a sales pitch <laughs> that you guys have for what this is and, and why people should really look into it? I'm, I'm glad that you asked that because, uh, you know, when, when we are working on this space, it's sort of obvious why this is so important. But when you start talking to people outside, it's sort of, you get that kind of question on their face and what are you guys really talking about? I think what, what you can look at feature management, if you really want to go outside of even the developer community, it's about, it's about making uh, software develop, development efficient. It's about, um, I often think of as it as one of the important tools to allow software developers to to have the freedom to really play and experiment and learn because they can do so in a very controlled environment. And this is kind of the very, very far away kind of uh, pitch. If you go a bit closer to it, and I, I'm sure Eva will be in more detail about these things, it's basically about decoupling a release to production from release to customer. And I think that a lot of software developers, software teams, software companies is really having a struggle around this. Because for so many reasons, there are a lot of bureaucracy or compliance or opinions or reasons for why you want to be very careful about what you put in front of your customer. And, 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 and the, flip, the flip side of that, of course, is that you get a bit afraid. Uh, you get a bit afraid of doing something wrong. And if you are afraid of doing something wrong, that is not uh, a good situation for you if you want to be free to experiment and learn a lot. And, and I think that is basically what we do. We provide the safety net for developers to have fun. And I, I really want uh, to have fun in my work life. Does that make sense for you, Eva? Yeah, it totally does. And, and I think also if you, if you take uh, the more technical side of things, it's, it's a way to work so, so, so that you can enable collaboration more efficiently. So, so feature flagging allows you to, to work trunk-based for the team. And, and 
doing so you 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 reduces the cycle from code being written to code being available in production but doesn't mean that you are actually enabling the new functionality to to end users or or end customers but it means that you can you can ship code in small chunks all the time and and you can as a team much easier collaborate on a new larger features because you are integrating that new feature bit by bit into the code base without introducing feature branches or, or long long running feature branches and, and 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 having all the complexity of merging that back at some point in time and it allows you as developers to, to actually ship the code all the time when it's uh, ready to ship the code um, and you can start testing your feature in production without enabling it for end users you can see if it works you can you can even start when it's a bit more ready. You can start enabling it for some beta users or some selected customers, and see if it still behaves the way you want it to. So you get much much more uh, how should I say it, experience on 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 the quality of the code you're shipping, uh, and you take more control on how you enable that new functionality to the users and. Having this feedback cycle and shortening the time from code being written to code being running in production is a tremendous power for the developers that is a great way of describing it guys and i'm gonna probably write this down somewhere after this podcast and email it to people next time they ask me why you should think about feature <laughs> flags it's a really nice description um on the note of this guys you say you started in 2015 um what inspired you to to write the product were there no other products at the same time did you think you could do it better yeah yeah, so I was actually working as a developer back then. It was actually late 2014, and, and I was working for a company called Fin.no, and, and we had already automated uh, the release process to all environments, also all the way to production. Uh, but I saw as a tech lead at the team, I saw that there was still stuff holding us back. So so we weren't kind of shipping code every week. We had weekly based sprints, but we, we couldn't finish a large feature in a week often, but we could do a lot of coding. So we ended up holding back releases and say to the product owner, we cannot release anything this week. We have to wait till everything is ready. And, and I, this bugged me a lot. So I started kind of exploring what do other companies do? Um, and we started playing with some feature flags, more like a static config file, stuff like that. But I didn't feel like this was a good solution. I even played with some open source tool back in the days, but they were usually tied to kind of being part of your framework or being part of some kind of programming language that 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 there was a library for that specific programming language. But we already had the microservice architecture, so I wanted something that could work across all uh, kind of microservices. It should be very, very performant. We were handling more than 10,000 requests per second across these services, so, so it needed to scale. And I couldn't find something that, that really solved this need back then. So, so then I started on, on Unleash Open Source. Sure, that's really yeah, cool. And, and, yeah, and, and, and also, Simon, you know, uh, it's really cool to listen to Ivar and, and his fantastic journey going to, to, I'm not sure how many releases you ended up in, in Finn, it's, it's multiple thousands a week. Uh, I was in a different situation. I'm not a developer, so I don't take any kind of, uh, 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 I, I didn't contribute to the source uh, in itself, but I was uh, working in a, in a big company in Northern Europe called Visma, and, and this is a kind of uh, acquisition company. It buys a lot of really good business, but it's kind of old legacy code. And my job was basically to go in there and, and try to implement more modern ways of working with, with software development in these companies. And, and what I often saw is that even with a big legacy code base with monolithic kind of applications, and with all of those uh, uh, compliances, uh, big kind of worries about what you put in front of the customer kind of perception in the business, this way of working was actually also very uh, good for teams that was not on the latest, greatest microservice architecture. So I think it's uh, it's actually an, an an tool that has a lot of sense uh, in in so many kind of engineering maturity companies, if that makes sense. Mm, absolutely. Is that how you guys met, or did you know each other beforehand? Wow. Yeah. So so we are actually brothers. So we have known each 
for, for, for the whole life. Ah. Uh, it's actually a funny story, this, uh, how we started working on this together, because I, I was keeping Unleash as an open source product. It's, co- it's kind of solved the need that I had in Finn, and I, uh, I, I kept it as a side product. I think I thought it was a fun side project. It was a fun kind of thing to, 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 to keep on the sides. I, of course, added more functionality over the years, but it also started getting some momentum in the open source community. There was, uh, it was tremendous to see actually, because the reason I created as an open source from beginning was that I wanted to make it super easy for other teams in Finn to, to adopt the solution. I didn't want it to be very tightly coupled to some kind of legacy uh, framework or something that we did back in the days. I wanted to be kind of decoupled from everything else and make it very concrete on what it does and make it easy to adopt. But I saw that I was kind of growing in Finn, but I also saw that when developers left Finn, they started introducing Unleash into the new companies they joined. And, and I also saw that there were other... Yeah, it was. And, and, and also I saw that other people started discovering Unleash and they, they started using it. And at some point there was quite a lot of momentum around the open source. So I was kind of out with my brother, as brothers sometimes do. We, we go out and eat some dinner and, and drink some beers. And I started talking about this with Egil. And I said, like, OK, so I had this side project. I have actually never mentioned it for you before, but it kind of have a lot of traction right now. I get a lot of feature requests. There is a lot of contribution. But also, the, there is people literally asking me if I could just host this for them. Could I buy, my, buy it as sure. a service? So, so I don't know what to do about it. What do you think? And Egil has also always been more the business person of the family. So, so it was a good thing talking about this with him, I guess. Yeah, so, and, so he could, and, yeah. Yeah, and to me, it's, it seems like the obvious uh, thing to do if you have a lot of people interested in your project, if there's a lot of people that literally ask you, can I buy something from you? Well, what yeah. do we do? We go away and we pick up some business. <laughs> it does make sense. When people are saying, hey, can we buy this thing? The obvious thing to do is sell it. Yeah, exactly. That's a great story, guys. I hope that's on your website somewhere. <laughs> uh, I think it. Uh, it you know what? We, we actually are in the process of relaunching our website, so uh, so I'm 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 I will make sure to get it in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good story. Um, so I, I'm actually quite interested in the hosted product because I I I guess my my thought would. B, um, and, and it's probably being from a market that's a little more conservative about how they spend their money. Um, but what is the benefit to the users that are using hosted? I mean, if you're, if you're basically deploying your own services, I'm, I'm wondering like, what is that one extra unleashed service? And is, is there some sort of key yeah. benefit of hosted versus hosting yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. So, so this has also been a learning opportunity for us starting to to co- commercialize around Unleash. So, so what we have done is that we Unleash is an open source product, but we are following so, something called the open core model. So, so we also have something called the Unleash Enterprise, which is the the commercial edition of Unleash. And an Unleash Enterprise has some added functionality that could be interesting for for large enterprises. That is. Stuff like security compliance, single sign-on, SAML 2.0, OpenID Connect, all those kind of things. We also added project support so that you can group all your feature targets into projects and and, uh, and also make sure that the only person that belongs to that project has access to modify those feature targets. Mm. Um, so, so there is, uh, and, and we also have some additional around segmentation, how you can build your segmentation rules more dynamic uh, from the UI or from the APIs themselves, and, and you can have more granular control on how you release the, the, the features. So, so there is some added functionality in the Enterprise Edition that is not available in the open source. Uh, besides from that, you obviously you have the dedicated support. You have someone you can call if you need help. You can also be also with take care if you're going with the hosted offering. We're also taking care of uh, security patches, making sure that we scale it properly, make sure that it's always up, all those kind of things, so that you don't have to worry about database backups or anything. That sounds like a very smooth um, enterprise-ready solution that you've got there when you're paying for hosted. 
Yeah, exactly. And and the benefit you also get is that we have the open source. So most of the code, I would say maybe 80, 90% of kind of the functionality is open source. You can go in, you can look into the source course, you can see that we have the test coverage that you would expect from these type of solutions. Uh, so you can kind of get the confidence that the code is, is well written. Uh, at the same time, we can add, add some extra functionality on top that would be interesting for, for larger companies to have in a product like this. And I think there is a few other elements of, uh, let's say, mechanisms that comes to play with this open source model that is quite interesting, actually. It's uh, one of the feedbacks we get from a lot of developers to be talked to is that they really enjoy seeing the activity and, and even sometimes go into the source code and really follow how this project goes. And, 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 and this is an extreme transparency. You wouldn't probably never find that from any of the commercial, open, uh, commercial uh, software vendors. Mm. The other part is, of course, something that adds a lot of pressure on our side uh, because uh, by going in an open source, there is less of what is often called a lock-in effect. It means if you don't really want to pay the bill we offer you, you can always go back and say, well, screw you guys, I want to go open source. I just want to bring my data back to open source and I will be off and, and I will be in control of this. And, and I think that is actually from a business point of view, it's sort of really not something you want to do because you kind of give away your power. But I also find that very nice way of doing business because it puts the pressure on our end to make sure that what we deliver to you guys as or to, to our customers, really valuable. Uh, we really need to work hard to deliver something that is meaningful and, and interesting and, and work and solve real needs. Because it's so easy to just say, I want to take my data and I can bring it back home. I can do run it myself. What you do doesn't really give, bring me any value anymore. And yeah. I think that is what all customers should look for, this kind of uh, not being locked in. Yeah, and I also think it makes the software so much more accessible. So they are building a software for primarily for software teams and developers. And, and developers, they like, like to download stuff, play with it, see that it works, start proof of concepting without having to go through security compliance or procurement, all those kind of processes. And when they, when they start playing with it, they see that it actually adds value to their workflow. They can come back and, and see if it makes sense for them to go with the hosted or, or some self-hosted enterprise version. It also makes it so much more accessible to developers. Maybe they don't even are sitting directly on the budget themselves. So at least they know what they're going to ask for, if it's worth it or not. I mean, this is something I've found with a lot of software that you find something that looks really interesting and then you discover you have to go through a paywall to get it or there's a huge rigmarole around sign up. And often as a software developer, when I hit those places, I just go, cool, next product, not interested in that one anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's too painful to evaluate. Exactly. So, I mean, not to be controversial and bring up competitors, um, <laughs> but, but sort of I got into the feature flag space um, in, in consulting um, where where people were and it, and it's almost it's a funny thing because because some people have they, they kind of run off of brand names um, and, and basically the client's client talked about launch darkly and 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 I got into really investigating feature flags quite a bit and in that process you know you uh, launch darkly as salespeople, then you you end up talking to them and and stuff like that. Um, but I also became sort of a this this expert on feature flags within our company, and then I decided to share stuff about it. But I didn't feel like paying this crazy license fee, <laughs> which is why I used the open source one as an example. Uh, so so I found Unleash and, and used Unleash instead um, as this example thing. Even though for for some people they they really stick to this brand name concept more than they do the um, I guess uh, you know what it, what's what's underlying it's they're not talking about feature flags they're talking about like launch yeah. darkly um, but exactly but exactly I, you talk about the the recognized brand yet. yeah so I I just thought it was interesting one of the the things that the launch darkly guys mentioned was that. Um, these their primary goal is to sell feature flags to people that 
would build it themselves in, in usual cases, in most cases. Um, would you um, would you tend to agree with that, or, or do you? Who do you see your client as? I think that what you're referring to is that Launch Chocolate have this big kind of narrative around build or buy. Yeah. Uh, so they really put a lot of effort into saying that you should not build anything that is not core business. And of course, that makes a lot of sense. That makes, makes a tons of sense, I would say. Hmm. Uh, but at the same time, there is something, uh, and, and after being in software industry a lot, and you guys are experts here, so please correct me if you think otherwise, but I tend to see that every team, every organization is slightly different. There's always some kind of variation. There's something that is different for, from, from, or special for you that really you want to kind of keep on to. So, mm-hmm. so we want to, and, and we are moving that build versus buy, buy versus buy narrative into saying you should buy the core and then you can want to build on top of that. And what we mean by that is that we want to, and, and this is what Eva is saying also, we want to really make sure that the open source or the, the Unleashed product is so flexible and adaptable and configurable that we, you can and we can always make sure that Unleash adapts to yourself and to your team and to what is special for you guys. And you don't need to have this big project adapting your team and processes towards another big vendor tooling. Yeah. So I think that we take a different kind of standpoint there. And, and for us, uh, the most important persona, the most important person user of our product is the developer and really want to make sure that the developer experience is the best in market. So I think um, for sure, I understand what is happening and we see the same launch target is the big player. Uh, I have a ton of respect for these guys. They have built a tremendous product, but I actually think that we are pretty, pretty strong as well, to be to be frank yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the double numbers, if you look at the feature set, if you look at basically everything, um, it's it's pretty, pretty cool to have a team of a few developers and competing with a 200 guys company. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing, actually. Well, so so what we found in that investigation in, in some of the the outcome of that which is is kind of where i'm bridging to actually is um so when you're handling stuff so they've only got a cloud option right you can't run your own and we're dealing yep. with a, a client that's in an extremely regulated situation um where people are worried about you know leaking stuff via even the URLs and the logs, like you don't want a user ID um, in, in, in the logs because cause that could be it, this whole weird, not only with GDPR, but with, with legals um, stuff with, with what they were doing. And so shipping any sort of information about users, which would be used for segmentation, um, shipping that off to a third-party server that they didn't have control over um, was something they were seriously nervous about. Um, would you guys, I, I guess, I, I guess the question would, would you guys do something where, like a custom thing with a, with a large enterprise client where you say, listen, we'll give you the full, you know, hosted scenario, but you can put it on your own server? I mean, it seems like you could get pretty far with the open source one doing that as well. Eva, do you want to go in details? Because this is one of those areas we have focused a lot and, and where our flexible platform really comes to the yeah, uh, exactly. and value. And this is also where the, the it's so super beneficial that we actually have the open source product uh, from beginning because it means that our product is already running in, in many different situ- locations, different cloud environments and different on-prem environments. And this is one of of the things that we have gotten a lot of feedback and and, and, and contribution on is to make sure that Unleash can run everywhere. It can basically run any type of infrastructure server and, and it's has been tested, it's been tested many, many thousand times and, and we know it will run almost in any situations. Of course we have one requirement. You have to have a Postgres database. That's the, the requirement we have. Postgres is obviously very, very well-known technology. So usually, for, mm. at least for large enterprises, that's not a big problem. But besides from that, we do offer uh, the enterprise also as a self-hosted option. Of mm. course, this requires you to, to be be on a, on a larger tire. We, we don't kind of allow you to have 
have the smaller uh, price points uh, self also because there is so much extra complexity on our side to to support you on that make sure that it works properly and and all of that uh, but besides from that you can obviously you can host unleash enterprise on your own servers if you need to and we already have customers doing that and for us it's not a huge problem because that's why we run that's how we run unleash for our customers as well we actually do a single tenant model and it can be a bit surprising that we do that. But again, we do that because we strongly believe that we want to really segregate customers away from each other. And today with Docker, with containers, it's actually quite simple to do that for your customers when you're providing these type of services. It's more like you configure an instance per customer. And when you do that, we can offer more kind of isolation of your data. Uh, I would also like to add that privacy is actually really, really important to us. So, so we also, for, also for the hosted solution, but also Unleash in general, will never send user data back to the APIs. It will actually stay in your application. So it's the other way around. So we actually ship the configuration to your application. We have an SDK that will evaluate that configuration locally in your application. And we will not send the user data back to, to the Unleash API. Sure, that's clever. Uh, and this is because we really, really care about privacy. And GDPR is a thing in Europe, so so we need to be careful about these things. Yeah, I mean, GDPR is a thing everywhere. We're in South Africa, and we get hit by it as well because we still have international clients. So, um, it's yeah. the modern-day yeah. world. You've I can Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's so many, many uh, interesting uh, stories of, of uh, user data gone wrong or gone bad, let's say. so. I think this is also a, a very uh, increasing, um, conscious, uh, cautious um, focus area for every software developer in the yeah. in the on the globe today. Yeah, it should be. Uh, when you say um, interesting stories, you mean terrifying stories that keep software developers up at two. Terrifying story. Let's not talk about Thursday. We are a bit humble. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, yeah, absolutely. You... Uh, by the way, I, I, I'm uh, sorry. Yes. Uh, no, no, go for it. Finish your thoughts. No, I. Uh, I was going to say that there is so many terrifying stories. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to go into the details, but it's uh, for sure that user data, user privacy is something I really, really want to make sure it's not uh, off everywhere, let's say. Yeah. So out of interest, do you guys dog feed your own software? Do you use Unleash to develop Unleash, if that makes sense? Yeah, to some extent, I would have actually been playing with the idea that we should do it more. So, so we don't put Unleash into the open source that we actually distribute because we think that would be wrong to have something calling back to, to ourselves. Mm. Uh, this is definitely something we do for the hosted offering. So we, we have different feature flags that could allow us to turn stuff on or off for selected customers. Uh, but this is something we have been thinking a lot about and, and we want to do it more. Uh, it totally makes sense and I would, it makes stuff just so much easier to be honest. But but we are done what we are done for the, the the open source when we are play we have sometimes we play with some new more experimental features. Then we would add a more static configuration flag. So you have to kind of manually add some environment variable to enable that new functionality if you want to test it out. Uh, but it would be fun if we could do something there to, to actually use Unleash to to kind of yeah to, to, to enable the new functionality locally as well. Yeah. And so no one knows your code and your product better than you guys do. Is there something uh, <laughs> sitting in your product that you particularly like and you wish more people knew about? Yeah, there is a couple of things. I think the privacy part that we just covered, I think this is kind of not always obvious that it works like this. And, and I see that we could probably improve on our documentation to make it more obvious. Uh, this way of thinking also adds uh, a lot of other benefits like uh, performance because you don't reach out to the API for every time you evaluate the feature target. It happens locally in your application in the SDK, so it only works on data in memory. This also gives a lot of resilience around network disturbance, so, so the application will still work even though uh, the network connection towards the Unleash API is down for a moment. So I think that that part of it is actually it's quite hard to sometimes at least to to kind of 
explain it in a very simple way that everyone understands because it seems to be at least some developers seems to be very uh, normal or familiar with the request response pattern yeah but we don't do that so yeah. so so we just have to be careful to 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 to, to explain this carefully so that people understand what we actually do yeah, and I uh, think that approach is great as well. It was, to be honest, my first question when I found about feature flags is, okay, great, you've got this feature flag and now you turn it on, but the network goes down, now your stuff breaks. And it looks like yeah. you guys found a really elegant way around Exactly. That. Yeah, and, and we are doing more to be, be sure. So we, we just started exploring some other options as well, because that could be, for instance, what you do when your applications start, if you're not able to talk to Unleash. So what we have started on is something we call bootstrapping. So you can kind of either as part of your build process, or you could have some other service where you dump the latest known feature flags to, for instance, S3 or something like that. And you can use that as a bootstrap so that you can actually start with a very fresh feature toggle configuration in your application without ever without talking to the Unleash API at startup. And I think cool. this is we, we are going to invest more into this area because we really want Unleash to be resilient against anything that could happen. Yeah. Uh, so this is also one thing that we just started playing with. So we added support for it in, in, in the Java SDK and the Go SDK, but we definitely added to the other SDKs as well. We are playing it with it with some customers right now. So, so there will come more in this area for sure. That's, that's uh, the other thing is the Unleash Prox. Sorry. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just nattering. Go for it. <laughs> uh, uh, the other thing that is quite, uh, how should I say, under-communicated at the moment that we will uh, soon invest more into is or invest more communication around is the Unleash Proxy. So the Unleash Proxy sits between Unleash API and, and, and single page application and native application. And it actually is something that we also encourage our customers to to host themselves. It's a small stateless application that you can run as a Docker image. And what it does is that it talks to the Unleash API behind the scenes. It stays always in sync. And it serves single page application and native application that runs in the context of a specific user. And it will actually just uh, provide the end user with the feature flags that is enabled for that particular user. So what it is, this solves is that it doesn't expose your all your feature flags and all the configuration on who should have this, which segments is it enabled for. It doesn't expose anything like this, only the list of enabled feature flags and the variants selected for this user. Uh, it also gives you more performance because then you can run it on your own domain. You can run close to your users. It's easy to scale. You can have as many as you like of this service. Uh, and it also takes this uh, privacy concept a bit further because mm. we know a lot of our customers, they, they have single page apps, they have native apps, and they want to use feature flagging there as well. At, at least in the native app, it really makes sense because it's so hard to release software through the Apple approval system. Uh, but at the same time, we don't actually want to see your end user's data because that puts us in a privacy concern because then we see the, see the request, we see the users, and suddenly we have to take care of that data. So having the Unleash proxy, we can say, OK, you can still use Unleash. You just start this small stateless Docker image in your cluster, and then it will do all the work, and it will just work. Sure, it's a very elegant solution. So you mentioned you've got a Go SDK and a Java SDK, and I'm a horrible Rust nerd, so I've got to ask, are you supporting <laughs> Rust as well? <laughs> yes, we do. So, so we have a Rust application that is actually developed by a, de uh, a developer in, in Cognite. His name is Robert Collins. Uh, he's a very experienced uh, Rust developer, well known in the community. Cognite is using Unleash and, and they they are using a lot of Rust. So so they developed the, the Rust SDK and maintain that day by day. So it's already available. Very cool. While we're on the topic of languages, um, at least the last time I checked Unleash open source, um, I, I think most of it's written in Node, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, was there any particular thought behind using that technology? Was there, there some sort of killer feature that Node had that, that you thought this is a good um, like language to use or, or framework to use, or is it more just a, a case of this is what it was built on? 
So I started on Leap back in 2014, and, and at the time I had been playing around with Node for roughly a year, mm. and started using Node in some web apps in production, and had some experiments with that. And and I'm coming from a Java background, and and what I felt was like writing stuff in Node or with JavaScript and Node, it felt so free. It felt like I could write mm. something and just five lines of code and it just worked and it was no boilerplate there was no frameworks or you, you, we are using express uh, that's barely a framework yeah. but still it felt like it was so easy to get stuff done and that was my key motivation for for using node.js in the beginning but of course there has been some growing pains there and and and, and also coming from from a Java background, I, I do miss the static typings. I do miss kind of the protection you get from the compilation layer. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, so we had to kind of, we, we had to, how should I put it? So to, 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 to take care of some of those concerns, we had to have a very high test coverage. Uh, that's one part. So that, that you can, it's dynamic code. So, so they, all, all crazy things can happen. Uh, so, so you need to kind of make sure that you, you are testing all the important use cases. You make sure that everything works the way it should. In addition, uh, we invested a lot into the, the validation of data. So we're using strong schema validation of all the data coming in through the APIs so that we can make sure that the data is always as expected in the expected format, in the expected types that we don't suddenly get something mm. totally different than we, we actually expect. I, I found that, you know, TypeScript has, when, when TypeScript first came out, I thought it was crazy. And then, and then I started using it. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and, and at work yeah. now, we, we, we're like converting lots of stuff to, to TypeScript and you actually got to get scared whenever you have to open a JS file. <laughs> um, is there any TypeScript in your future there? Or? Exactly, and and we actually, and this is also, yeah, 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 yeah definitely. And and we when we started scaling the team, when it was like we, we were multiple full time developers, we decided uh, that we need to convert into something with more safety because we are going to cheap features at a really high uh, pace. So we need more security safety net around the code we write. So we started the few months back, about two months back, to convert into TypeScript. Mm. So already we have converted more than 40% of the code base to, to TypeScript, and the goal is obviously to convert everything to TypeScript. Yeah, I, I feel like once you start and you, and you realize the, the benefits, you just kind of want to go all in. I mean, yeah, and there is there is so many benefits. I totally agree on that part. <laughs> it's so great to watch people go through this journey as well. I've, I've watched Ivan go through it, and um, I, I knew him when he didn't like TypeScript at all. And it was a, a journey of you should never use TypeScript. You should use some TypeScript where it makes sense. So you should mostly use TypeScript. And as of about a week ago, it's like you should just not use JavaScript. Just do everything in TypeScript, please. It, it, for me, it's about when, when you are developing code at so high speed that we do, and there is multiple participants, it's kind of, it takes away some of the kind of the fear of mm. breaking stuff mm. in accidentally mm. uh, and, um, and also there is so much help there so when you start working with some module that you haven't touched before or something like that and you can just see in your editor which params does it take what does it, which shape does it expect that this is a required thing all those type of little hints that you get it makes yeah. you just so much more productive yeah and and happier as well <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, so to go a little bit into the business, this this part of Unleash, I, I I think I don't know if that was a great segue, but we just go straight into <laughs> it. Um, uh, you 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 mentioned that you were building Unleash inside a company, which at that time there were no real good solutions um, around Unleash. Um, did, did breaking, I mean, you mentioned that, so you mentioned the, the story that, um, you know, people just started kind of doing it, uh, well, like picking it up. Um, 
was your current company that you're working for not interested in what you were building? Did, did they just kind of let you go and, and explore your own, own business? What, what happened there? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so, so my company is a, is a well-known technology company in Norway. Uh, it's one of the most visited sites in Norway, actually. Findot.no is a classified marketplace where mm. people buy and sell stuff or you can get a new job and all that. But at the same time, so, so they, they have been super supportive. They really love that I have open sourced it. They really love the, the journey I've been on. But at the same time, Unleash wasn't core business for them. So, mm. so for them, it wasn't like they were never going to set a full team on further developing Unleash. That was so far away from the current business that that would be a very hard thing to do. So, but again, I had a totally transparent uh, process with them. I told them every, always uh, they were informed on what I was doing. There was a clear separation on, on my time usage that I was developing. At least when I started more exploring the business opportunity together with Egil, there was a very clear separation on, on how I spent my time and, and what belongs where. Mm. Um, and my and they they just been super supportive. My 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 boss and my boss's boss. They they was like they, they they just shared and this is really cool. You're doing this and I really hope you're succeeding and all those kind of things. Uh, so it's just been a positive experience to be honest. Cool. They didn't ask for like a free license for hosted or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, uh, not at all. That has not been an issue, to be honest. <laughs> right, and in the in the company was, I mean, it, it's registered. I, I I know I'm being really weird and googling strange things, but um, <laughs> you registered as Bricks Software. Does this mean that there are potentially other products that you guys are thinking about that you're going to unleash on? Unleash under a different <laughs> See what name, you did yeah. um, or because bricks software feels like yeah. these little bricks that put together, and and you kind exactly. of got these bits that you can build your software on top of. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm actually very happy that you bring up this picture because that's exactly the the, the talk behind it. So, uh, some of the consideration we did back when we started this company was that Unleash was already starting to be a very well known open source feature management tool. So we really want to stick to Unleash. Uh, at the same time, as you kind of hint is that, well, uh, maybe there should be something more. Uh, and mm. at the time, I need to admit, we, we haven't really put up the full picture of what this is going to be at some point. But it felt natural that feature management was part of something bigger. And, uh, and, and, and what we decided to do is that we decided to put up this uh, legal entity that was the IP owner, the company, uh, and everything like, like Bricks. But we really focus around Unleash. So Unleash is our brand name. That's what we focus and that's what we're building and communicate around. Obviously, uh, you read my thought already that sometime, some maybe closer than later, there will or might be coming out other brands, other kind of com uh, products that is part of a bigger picture. And and I think that the bigger picture today is, of course, we are in feature management. But if you mm -hmm. really look about it, it's part of where we started this conversation. It's about developer efficiency. Mm -hmm. And I think both myself and Ivar, we are so obsessed about developer efficiency because developer efficiency is, to me, uh, telling me that the developer is so uh is so secure is so in a in a area or a situation where you can really test and learn and adapt so many things because you are in this safe environment uh and when you are in a safe environment this is when you kind of us you dare to push the limits and that's really when at least from my point of view that's when i see developer really kind of uh, having like this bright eyes and you see this energy coming into the office in the morning because they know that it's it's okay to push the limits every day in order to learn, in order to do something different. And that's when you really create magic. And, and that's what we want to do with this company. I will be keeping a close eye on you guys in the near future because that sounds like a place that I really want to be. So when you produce software, I'll be there. I want to see what you guys are going to do. It sounds exciting. Yeah, as people with, yeah. with a background in, in consulting as well, you definitely, when people say, um, developer efficiency you kind of get excited because it's pretty much 90 percent of the problems you see is the lack of that yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I think that concludes the, the kind of questions we wanted to ask you that are, um, I, I guess, within the realm of Unleash. Is, is there anything else you, you guys would like to say before we step into the kitchen and start talking about food? Uh, <laughs> food is important. Uh, no, but that really, it has been a pleasure to, to be on this show. It has been a, I, I love your questions. I, I, I really do. And, and you guys, uh, I have so much respect for what you're building in, in the cold kitchen and, and, and the blog and everything. So I'm, I'm really honored to be, uh, allowed to be here. Uh, and Diamond. Uh, thank you very much. And I mean, I, it's, I guess in a, in a way our goals sort of align because yeah. um, I, I think we're we're into developer efficiency as well. We're just kind of trying to do it in an informational way, um, oddly enough, rather than rather than a software way, uh, at least at the moment. Um, who knows where where this leads, where this yeah. road goes? Um, and and yes, so when I talk about stepping into the kitchen, what that means is, I mean, it's called the Code Kitchen because. It's kind of built on this concept of, of we have discussions about the industry and anything really uh, related to, to our work at work in the kitchen. Mm. Um, <laughs> but we're also, we're also both foodies. So we, we, like, um, we, we like to cook, but we also like to go out and, and eat and realize that guests on the show may not, may not be cooks, but I, I think everybody loves food. Um, you kind of need it to survive. Um, so since you're based in Norway, um, Simon had a question. <laughs> I, I have a burning question to be honest, guys. So, um, I'm going to get the pronunciation horribly wrong. So I apologize and I might even get the country wrong, but I, I've heard of a thing called Gravlax, which I believe is like pickled or salted, um, salmon or fish. Am I on the right track here? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so like, this is a Norwegian tradition that goes back a long time. And it's, a actually, it's actually it's actually fermented salmon. Okay. Uh, that uh, that that has at least back in the days. They, I think they even put it into the ground. We don't do that anymore. Uh, okay. But it's kind of uh, put into the fridge for for some days to ferment. And it's uh, it's part of our Christmas tradition. So so we usually eat that uh, during Christmas times oh, wow. uh, with friends and family, and it's really delicious to be honest. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, if, if you ever uh, are in Norway at some point, uh, you can probably get it or 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 all year long. But at least in, in mm. during mm. Christmas time, it is a fan absolutely fantastic. I think you also did you also mention the rock uh, rock fisk. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is a bit more on the on this side of things. It's it's interesting. I I really enjoyed itself. It's uh, sort of the same as a whitefish. Um, it's a very jelly kind of uh, texture to it. Uh, but when you eat it, it's also part of the Christmas uh, tradition. Okay. You have a lot of good food. You have a lot of good drinks, of course. So then everything uh, tastes good, I guess. But no, it's 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 actually a fantastic uh, and fantastic food. It sounds really, really intense. I've got to be honest, guys. But uh, next time I'm in Europe, I will hunt it down and give it a try. You're definitely sounding like yeah, it's next a good time. thing to try. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I, you, will, you will love it. <laughs> Shot. Um, and, and, and is there, there anything else interesting that, that you guys are, have been eating lately or, or would suggest? Uh yeah, if you want to be really bold, you want to uh, test this Norwegian tradition of cheap sides. Uh, I tasted once. Uh, I it's it's it actually tastes really good, but it's something to the kind of the presentation of the dish that is not really super cool <laughs> to have this sheep's head on the table at your plate and you eat uh, it. A sheep's head. Yeah, just yes. a, interesting. Like the smileys that we have over here, basically. Uh. Uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're called smileys. Yeah, you just boil a, a sheep's head in a in a thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you tasted it? Uh, it's no. really good, I think. I, no. I have not. Yeah, we're, we're a little bit um, not adventurous in that regards. Uh, Apparently, yeah. Well, it's, quite it's challenged. Yeah, it's it's um, 
you know, um, South Africa is sort of a, a cultural melting pot, and mm. uh, but but sometimes we don't cross certain lines, especially when a sheep's looking at us. True <laughs> um, <Your> story. <laughs> which which is it's kind of it's kind of funny um, in in that way, but uh, I mean, so so it's probably something we could try just by going to the right place and asking the right people. I think we should. I feel like we've committed to it now. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Come on. We can talk about it in the next podcast. It's yeah, going to we'll be great. It, we'll eat it live on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, next time, maybe we should have that dish. <laughs> um, so have you guys ever been down here in, in South Africa? Unfortunately, no. I've never been there. I would love to go there, but for some reason on my, my travel plans, I've never been allowed to go, go in that direction. But it's uh, everyone I talk to that has been visiting your country says it's a fantastic and amazing place to be and, and, and really somewhere to, to go to. So hopefully there will be a lot of unleash interest in South Africa. So we will have a strong reason to come down there and visit you guys. <laughs> so what I'm hearing, so long as we do the marketing, you guys will come visit us, bring us some grab likes. It's going to be great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, because you, you've definitely got to try um, the Boltong, which I guess is, I, I guess it's it's kind of like the the whole fermenting thing, but without mm. without involving fish. It's, so it's we, dried meat, dried yes. and salted meat, but that doesn't make it sound particularly appealing because I've been to other countries and had dried and salted meat and it tasted like cardboard. Um, but the whole song is really something that you should try right. if you come down to South Africa. doesn't sound amazing, but oh, yeah. it's so addictive. Although you can oh. kind of do that method with anything. You, you've probably tried with fish, but, but we do it with you know, basically anything yeah. you shoot. Um, <laughs> so yeah. usually if you're buying it in a store, it's, it's made of something like, uh, you know, beef. Um, but, but then people you know there's a hunting culture yeah so so people will, will go and and get mm. varieties of antelope um and, and make yeah, and they taste very different depending what they are yeah it's fairly common to find kudu yeah. bultong that would be amazing to test at some point yeah <laughs> right guys really thanks for joining us it's, it's been a great discussion and a, and a I've gotten a, a better understanding of a niche, even though I've, I've played with it quite a bit already. Um, and, and it's also really a, just an interesting business story as, as well. So mm. really, thanks for joining us and, and, and thanks for talking to us. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. And I'm very, I'm very excited for what you guys are doing. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what work comes out of your business in the near future. So I'll be keeping an eye. Thanks for having so us. Thanks, thanks very much for, for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We're so happy to, to be here and, and getting those feedback is uh, it's like warming the heart, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll keep it up. Have a wonderful evening, gentlemen. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Yes. Thanks to Bye -bye. Viewers. Next time. <laughs>